You are now listening to the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. Here is your host, Blaine Spencer. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. And you know, we are in the middle of our divisional breakdowns. We have just wrapped up the NFC. We are now starting the AFC. And the first breakdown will be the AFC East. And we have an inaugural guest on the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. We got my man, Jerm, from Stuff About Sports. Jerm, how are we doing? Appreciate you coming on to talk AFC East. Of course, my brother, man. This is great, man. Uh, you've been on my show. Uh, we've, we've potted together on other people's shows, but now this is our time. This is our time to shine. And we're going to hopefully I represent uh, Stuff About Sports and I represent your show properly here today. Oh, I know you'll do great work. It's just been working with you in the past. You're on top of it, probably even more on top of it than I am. And I think I'm a pretty much a sports nerd. But I think we know it's an AFC episode, but I think we'd be dumb enough to not talk about the breaking news that has unfolded today. That is Deshaun Watson, the NFL and the NFLPA have come to a settlement. Deshaun Watson will be suspended for 11 games. The NFL was trying to get the entire year. Remember, the initial sentence was six games, no fine. This time it's going to be 11 games, $5 million fine, as well as he has to go through uh, mandatory training. And if he doesn't fulfill that training in the eyes of the person who is teaching him about sexual assault, sexual misconduct, that sentence could be lengthened. Jerm, just give me your overall impression of the verdict. I know for me personally, 10 to 11 games was my original suspension going into this. And now it's come out to around there. What what do you think of this? I think this is far more damning to the image of the NFL than suspending anyone for drugs, DUI, Calvin Ridley's gambling. And all of them should be punished. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but it seems kind of ridiculous that being a sexual predator has, in comparison, little repercussions as to all those things i just mentioned now we it's probably more political than you know morality here right if you suspend him the whole season they're just going to appeal and then he's going to play in week one which is probably a worse look for the nfl um and so they probably wanted to avoid that you know they got the money out of them they figure 11 games is enough and it's really 12 because the bye week's in there uh, uh, but due to the new CBA, he's actually allowed to come back to the team week six in practice. So it's not like he's going to be completely rusty, but I, I, this whole thing, man, it just, it, to me, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I guess 11 games is right. If you're the NFL trying to just end it because it was going to be six with no money. And now it's 11, about half the season with money. And so I, you know, it just, it just, to me, it looks bad, uh, I'm glad that it's over, but it, it's it does send a bad message to I know Calvin Ridley's punching the air right now somewhere. And it's not again, Calvin Ridley broke the rules. He should be punished. It is what it is. But the NFL had the opportunity to kind of fix the scales here. And that's why this is the way it is right now. I couldn't agree more when before everything continued to unfold in this case, I thought 10 to 11 was about right. And I know we talked about this uh, during Marcus's uh, big 150 extravaganza episode where there was like 12 of us on his show. Uh, If you guys haven't, go check that out. Um, And I thought at least a year was going to be what was how it was going to transpire. And 
you, I couldn't agree more. Calvin Ridley is probably an uproar. He was in uproar when the six game suspension came out and now even more because he thought he was going to get at least the same verdict. And now he's still yeah. getting a little bit ousted in, in that regard in regards to something that was, is a, that is a serious thing. What he was doing, get betting against on his team, but this is a whole nother realm. This is yeah. what you're doing. Like, Anybody in this situation could almost relate if they have had a girlfriend, a wife, a daughter, just like this just has become such an horrible situation in on all fronts. This is a bad look, not just for the Browns, but also a bad look for the Texans. And honestly, yeah. this suspension, honestly, the 11 games, you could tell that the NFL PA and the NFL kind of if there was going to be a return date, that was the number. Because yeah. guess what his first game is? His return mm, against mm, the Texans. Huh, yeah. Huh, yeah. Let's, huh, let's start hmm. plugging dots here, right? <laughs> hey, Roger Goodell knows how to write a storyline. If anything else, the one thing he's going to get out of this is a good storyline. So he was going to miss the Cleveland-Carolina game no matter what, the Baker-Mayfield revenge game. He was going to miss that no matter what. So what could he do? All right, we got Houston at Houston. So, I mean, it is what it is. First thing and foremost, we should have said this first, Deshaun Watson, you're a scumbag. Like, I don't care. Max, I don't Max, care. You, you know, you're a scumbag. And the 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 Haslam out there was out there in his press conference, scumbag. Your weak ass apology the other day. Now with this basic backpedaling you did today, like it, all still of it said is he just, was innocent. Still said he was adamant on his innocence. Yeah, adamant. Whatever, dog. Especially when Judge Sue Robinson just said, "Yeah, no, here's a report, and you and I de deposed you, and I deposed the four women that I spoke to, and I deposed the Texans. And guess what, buddy? You did this. The only reason I'm giving you six games is because the NFL is awful at punishing these things. And so it just it it sucks. And what I'm curious about because there is a clause that he can only see team approved massage therapist, which should be all male, by the way, just because without question." how are you going to monitor this in the off season is my thing. What are you going to do in the off season when he's out there on, on in the world on his own, just serially hitting up Craigslist for massage therapist. Uh, you know, it's going to be, that's going to be the interesting part next year uh, when, and when the off season comes and we get that first report of Deshaun Watson in some sleazy hotel uh, with, with uh, uh, licensed massage therapist cinnamon. And let's see what happens then. Absolutely. And I think uh, it would be unjustified to not explain to everybody. Remember, he's getting fined five million. But the way he's this contract with Cleveland was structured is a 200. Is it two? I can't remember the number. Two hundred and forty something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Two hundred and thirty million. He like, got two hundred thirty goes. It's all backloaded. He was mm -hmm. only supposed to make a, a million this year. But then with the yeah. fine, he loses four million dollars, but he still gets the other. 230 or 225 something right. ridiculous like yeah like which Cleveland. which the owners are already upset at because obviously the browns did that on purpose because they knew he was going to get suspended something so they're sacrificing this year and honestly if you look at their schedule i'd probably sit him out the year anyway right. uh, you know it, they are going to go at best five and six in that stretch at best realistically i looked at their first their first front of their schedule they're probably going to go like two and nine, <laughs> but then when they come back, I mean, seriously, like I have it written out here. Uh, I wrote, I was like, all right, let me look at their schedule. See what they got. They have Carolina jets, Steelers, Falcons, chargers in the first five games, 
they're probably going to win. I would say the Falcons, but the Falcons are at home. And I don't know. I kind of like what the Falcons got going on. The Jets with Zach Wilson, that's probably going to be a win right there. So, and then you have the Pats, the Ravens, the Bengals, your bye week, and then the Dolphins. The only game you're going to win there is maybe the Dolphins because I don't know what they're going to be yet. Right. And then, um, and then you have the Bills and the Bucks. Those are two L's right there. (laughs) Then you come back at at the Texans. So at best, you're probably going to win three of those games. Yeah, three or four tops. After that, after that, they they go back to Houston, Cincinnati, Baltimore, New Orleans, Washington, and Pittsburgh. So I mean, you might win the Washington and Pittsburgh game. So your season, I mean, that's a losing season. And so I, I don't know why you would. I mean, to get reps, uh, I'd rather you just go through the offseason and go through the preseason and not go, you know, uh, those reps aren't going to help you out. But I'm sure they'll throw them out there. Um, uh, Jacoby Brissett's a 500 quarterback. I don't know what the Browns are expecting. I don't know if you go out and get Jimmy G as a, as a 10-game rental uh, or 11-game rental. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the move, but uh, I I can't imagine the Browns doing much of anything this year anyway. I agree. I, agree. I think the Jimmy G component is the intriguing focal point right he's the only like true competent starter quarterback really still on the market with the whole Niners situation and with the Niners backlashing him now and making him all that bubble loo happen in the Bay Area but you're I think with Brissett you're right it's going to be a wash and Mm -hmm. then when he comes back and we got to remember he doesn't get the Spencer doesn't go into effect until they cut roster down to the 53 so he still has the rest of the month. So, you know, he's going to probably play these next two games without question now. For sure. At least to get sure. some reps and then the six weeks off. He'll, he'll play at least one of them and then they'll give Jacoby, you know, time to really get ready for the for the season. But, yeah, I, I can imagine he's going to. For a guy who hasn't played in a year and some change, you have to get him the reps that you can. So whether I mean, I. If, if he comes and takes him to the playoffs after that, I mean, that's going to be – that's what's going to erase all of this. And and typically, uh, unfortunately for the sad saps in Cleveland who are cheering for Deshaun Watson, the moment he starts throwing touchdowns, people aren't going to be talking about all the women that he assaulted. Absolutely. I think we've kind of both put our vendettas in there uh, in regards to where we feel, and I think it's completely justified of how we feel, especially with – all of the evidence that supports our justification on what we're saying in, in regards to Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans, everyone's guilty. NFL yeah. now looks bad, even worse. NFLPA had to do what they had to do and defend him as one of the players. Um, but let's jump into why we're actually having this episode, which is the AFC East. We're going to take a look at the Buffalo Bills, the New England Patriots, and how they look with their new offensive coordinator, Hubba Blue, going there. Miami Dolphins and their speedsters and Tyreek Hill saying Tua is the next greatest quarterback of all time. And as well as what is the conundrum of the New York Jets because they can never get anything right based off of historically in their franchise. But let's start off with your team, the Buffalo Bills, who were clearly my favorite last year, who are clearly my favorite again this year. I have them something going ridiculous, like, but they could easily go fifteen and two this year based off of the schedule from what I can see, Germ. Yeah. What are your expectations? It's gotta be Super Bowl or bust for Buffalo, right? Without question. Without question. I mean, um there's two types of difference of fans who analyze the game, right? There's the eye test guys and then there's the analytics guys. Cool. Analytics told you, right? 
FPI, which is like the golden standard, which is pro football focus, all the um, guys at ESPN, all these professional analysts, DraftKings, FanDuel, they all go by FPI. Well, last year, the Buffalo Bills were the highest ranked team by FPI, uh, slightly over the Kansas City Chiefs. This year, coming up, forecasted, they're again the number one rated team, this time by a wide margin over the Green Bay Packers. So what did the Buffalo, what were the Buffalo Bills missing? An extra edge rusher. They were missing Trey White all last year, our best defensive player. We got one of the highest rated, actually the highest rated pass rusher last year in Von Miller. And then we get Trey White back, who was one of the top corners in the game. We needed offensive line help. We got that done. We drafted J- uh, James Cook, who was a steal. Not this, I don't want to say the steal of the draft, but a steal. It's going to help us tremendously in the run game, which is our biggest weakness. So we addressed not only, and then we added OJ Howard to run our two tight end sets, where once we went to a 12-man line with a second tight end, we just started blowing out teams. Our plus minus went crazy. Our differential went crazy. And that's where we went on that monster run towards the end of the season. The Buffalo Bills weren't missing much and they overloaded. Yeah, it's Super Bowl or bust. We have the best quarterback in the game. We have the best young receiver in the game and Gabe Davis. That guy's going to be a monster. If anybody doesn't disagree with that, um, go watch the, the Chiefs game that they lost. They changed the overtime rules for this team. So, yeah, it's Super Bowl or bust. You, you know, um, I want this team. I don't want to. 15, I, hey, man, thank you for saying that. 15 is, is a lot. I, I went through our schedule. I mean, uh, t- 11 games, 12 games is probably where we'll land. You know, there's always really? that one bet. You're, low, you're lowballing your squad right now. But it's not really – it's lowballing because we're going to be – like, you have to start saving stuff, right? I feel like right. the division's going to be in hand before the end of the week. But, you know, you have the – you have some tough games in there. Like, do you have a stretch of – you start the season off with L.A., Tennessee, Miami, Baltimore, uh, Pittsburgh, and then Kansas City, and then week seven into our bye. We historically start off slow. I can easily see us dropping one or two of these games that we shouldn't drop. And then all of a sudden, then we get Green Bay, the Jets, the Vikings, the Browns, the Lions, the Pats, the Jets. That's that's where we're going to turn it on. So don't be surprised if the Bills start off bad, where the 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 talk is going to be, oh, no, the Bills have fallen off. Wait till we come off our bye week. I mean, outside of Green Bay, the Sunday night football game, which I think is going to be the Super Bowl, Buffalo and Green Bay. Um, don't be surprised that the Bills go on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine game winning streak. And then we finish off the season, uh, Cincinnati and New England. So, where the you know, where you've already got everything wrapped up. So you might be just, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm always, I'm always accounting for those one or two bad games that you're just going to drop. Uh, the New England game last year where New England didn't throw a single pass and still won somehow. Like it was just the the ridiculous Tennessee game where Josh Allen was destroying them all up and down the field, but couldn't get one yard on a QB sneak. Like it, it, those types of games happen and they typically happen for us early. I, you know, for me, I don't care about win-loss record. I care about winning the division. We're clearly going to win the division unless some catastrophic injury happens. Everything as it stands, win the division, get home field if you can get it. If not, just get to the playoffs because once the playoffs start, it doesn't matter what your record was during the season. I think it's, I think that's a valid point that you're suggesting. Cause honestly, I was going based off of just the expectations of this team, where everything's unfolding, going with that FPI and the team that was almost statistically number one in defense. You can make the argument. There were one or two in every offensive statistical category as well. 
they were just off the charts. And then, like you said, they overloaded. Now they've got almost two of everything Yeah. at every position. I think they're the clear front runners in the, not just to, in the NFC and AFC, but in, for, to win the whole thing. Yeah. I, I think it's not really close. I think right now it's Buffalo and everybody else. Yeah. I think there's a significant drop off to Cincinnati, to Kansas City, to Rams and the Bucks. And those are the four other teams that I would say are the true contenders against Buffalo, right? So like what teams did you just what teams did you just list off? Cincinnati, okay. Kansas City, LA, mm-hmm. and Tampa. So I actually that. have the Packers lower than you do. And that's fine. I, I, I'm, I, I look at the Green NFC. Bay's going to be on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And with, especially with Aaron doing Aaron. You never know, right? Yeah, we never <laughs> know with that guy. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, so what you're saying that, right? Think about those teams that are contenders. I'll even throw um, I'll throw, I'll, I'll throw Green Bay in that, in that five that you just listed, right? Okay. To me, Denver's the most interesting team because they were the team that had the third ranked defense last year and they added what they were missing in Russell Wilson. Don't be surprised if if we're fighting with Denver for the number one seed overall. That's the team I'm kind of worried about. I think they're going to win that division. But uh, from the teams you listed, think about it. Kansas City lost Tyreek Hill. We don't know what they're going to be. Right. Cincinnati, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that's the issue that they really need needed help at, but we don't know what that's going to be. Right. And we don't like they went from being god awful the year before granted joe burrow was hurt to a magical run in the super bowl okay the your your sample size isn't big enough so we you know and i think even if you if you if if that game went the other way for buffalo and it was buffalo and cincinnati in the afc title game i'm pretty sure buffalo would have won that game and so and then you and then everybody else has lost something the packers have lost Devontae adams um the 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 bucks lost rob gronkowski and some defensive pieces so like everybody who was in contention last year lost something the buffalo bills didn't they they stepped up they leveled up so by that virtue by that simple math you know buffalo has to be the favorite i mean i I don't think you can look at buffalo's roster and everybody else's roster buffalo has the best roster in nfl football right now i I, you know it's gonna hopefully it, it works um hopefully they gel together but if you look at i mean i know it's preseason before you guys roll your eyes at preseason but the buffalo bills second and third stringers were making the colts first stringers look crazy and the colts first stringers played a pretty big majority of that game yeah no jonathan taylor but still i mean uh, though they were this they were the starting offensive line out there for indianapolis trying to get rhythm with matt ryan and we were getting to matt matt ryan couldn't do nothing and if it wasn't for case keenum being the starter we would have blown them out well before (laughs) so uh, you know, I just, it, yeah, Buffalo seems primed and ready to go for a Super Bowl. I think anything less than a Super Bowl appearance would be a disappointment. I agree. I think it's going to be more now, can they get over that hurdle that has been the issue with them for decades now, right? Which yeah. is finishing the deal, even when you guys were in for four years in a row to the Super Bowl and couldn't fi- get over that final uh, cliff so how are we going to see buffalo unfold there will be really intriguing to see because i i don't i again like i said i think they're going to be incredible this year i think they're going to be offensively explosive and i think they're going to be defensively stout and they're going to like like you said when they're going to go on like an eight nine potentially game winning streak in that in that little rut there they're going to be blowing them out the games aren't going to yeah. be close right like based yeah. off of the level of competition, like 
Case Keenum will be playing in those games. A lot of those like, games. They, he sure will. And, I, and, and so the funny thing is, though, a lot of people look at Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, the offense. The defense is going to set the tone for this team. I, I, I believe Josh Allen and the offense won't have to do much winning on their own. They won't have to go out. And I think the defense, the, the Josh Allen just doesn't have to turn the ball over, which he's been not doing. He's been really good at that. That's only going to help once we establish the run game, which is the one weak link of our team last year. I don't think that's going to be an issue this year with James Cook. By all accounts, he's killing it. And so, and he's and he's probably the be- he was one of the better pass catching backs. Oh yeah, class. he'll be a starter. He'll I I think I'm not a big fan of Devin Singletary. I, I get in a lot of arguments with my Bills fans because they like to give me analytics and all that stuff. I'm like I, I watch the game too. Like sometimes you have to just watch the game. Like getting stuffed for one yard like half the time and then breaking out a 15 yard screen or um you know pitch your averages are going to look really high. Like I, it's not the same. Like Zach Moss was giving us true four yards per carry and Devin Singletary was like up and down and it just averaged out to be about four yards. So I, you know, I'm a big James Cook fan. I hope he takes over. He's exactly the type of running back. Um, he's basically Zach Moss and Devin Singletary put together. And uh, I think that's going to help us uh, more than what Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary is more of a LaShawn McCoy type. Right. Uh, doesn't you know we're, we need north south and he's more of an east west runner he's a good pass catching uh running back as well so um you know obviously we'll use them both but i can see james cook uh getting a, a bulk of the touches there well, as the season as the season goes on right before we switch uh teams i want to get your final thoughts on Dayball leaving how big of a loss will that be for you guys not as big as it would have been if Ken Dorsey left, because if you right. are in the Buffalo media and you pay attention to Buffalo uh, news, Ken Dorsey was a huge, huge part of what Josh Allen was able to do since coming in. Brian Dayball and Sean McDermott butted heads, especially with the play calling. Dayball liked to get a little fancy, more fancy than he needed to be. And that was a lot of the friction within within that organization. Josh Allen didn't felt felt like some of these play calls weren't necessary, uh, especially and Dable had a knack of going away from what worked and not switching fast enough to what wasn't working. Josh Allen credits Ken Dorsey a lot for his development. Josh Allen uh, literally walked into Terry Pagula's office and demanded that they keep Ken Dorsey. Do not let him go interview. Do not let him leave this building. And that's what they didn't do. So I'm not worried about it because I believe Ken Dorsey and continuity uh, if you got a whole new offensive coordinator, maybe I would have been a little bit more worried, even with the talent of the roster. But you have that continuity, that comfortability with Ken Dorsey. Obviously, Josh Allen and the offense love him. So I'm not worried at all. I, you know, I there was a lot of questionable things. Brian Dable got massive amounts of credit because he would win these big games, but there was a lot of games where we lost because he was just his play calling was god awful. And um, so I, you know, to me, he just got too fancy too much and I wanted him to simplify things and he would do that in spurts, but it wasn't consistent enough for me. And so, like I said, I'm very excited to see what Ken Dorsey. And if, I mean, honestly, if I look, I looked at that preseason game to seeing what he was calling, if we had better personnel out there, I, I loved it. I loved what I saw from our offense in that first preseason game. Can't wait for us to play the Broncos this Saturday to see, because uh, I think that the starters are going to play a bulk of this game. Uh, they're talking about perhaps even up to halftime and then, um, and then that'll be that for them. Yeah. That'll be, they won't play it all in the last, obviously. And then that'll be it. Right. I think it'll be really intriguing to see what Buffalo has in store. I think that Broncos game will be really interesting because you said that's going to be their true, 
title contender. In I Europe. do. I believe. Yep. I think it'll be intriguing to see how they both go head to head with the first. Let's jump to the team that finished second and honestly was probably a surprise. In reg- and that's something that never gets really said. That is when it comes to the New England Patriots, how they were surprised last year in regards to how they finished, got into the wild card and ma- as a team. And Mac Jones thrived in his rookie season, 3,800 yards, 22 TDs. He did throw 13 interceptions. I think that was the one knock that was, everyone was trying to see. But now they're a little up in the air with Josh McDaniels leaving, going to Vegas to take that head coaching job that he rightfully deserved another opportunity. I think we would both agree on that, that he deserved another crack at it. Um, And then where are we going to unfold with here? Now Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are calling plays. One's special teams, one's defense. They're splitting reps. It makes absolutely no sense. You don't want to question the greatness of Bill Belichick. But there's obvious – room for concern when you're in new England, they, people say that like everything's going to work out fine, but it doesn't look like it, especially after the first game of the preseason germ. What are your expectations there? So it looked crazy watching them both call plays in that preseason game. It also didn't look good. I don't know how you're going to enter a season doing that. Bill Belichick, people like to give him this blind, you know, benefit of the doubt. I mean, not blind, I guess he's earned it, but I mean, uh, I don't know. Has he? I mean, ever since Brady left, it's just been a downward, uh, just progressively worse, questionable decision-making over in New England. Um, can't, from bio, uh, Mac Jones came in in tremendous shape, but if you go and read, Mac Jones and the offense has looked awful. Mac Jones has looked bad. Uh, the offense overall has looked bad. And so, I, to me, I don't know if there's been a case where a team didn't have an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator or whatever. It's somebody not calling the plays. Like it's either the coach is calling the plays and the coordinators are just assisting him, or the coordinators are calling the plays and the coach is staying out the way. This is different. And so I, I, different doesn't always mean bad, but based on what I'm hearing and what I'm saying, it sounds like it's going to be pretty bad. And so again, the NFL seems like there needs to be uh, a definitive answer. And I don't know how, you know, Matt Patricia and Joe judge don't have a good track record for calling plays or doing anything in terms of coaching other than before they got their head coaching job. And now it just seems like, I don't know if Belichick's trying to groom them to, 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 to do something. I always thought Josh McDaniels was groomed to take over new England. I thought that was the plan. Apparently not. And I think now it's just a lot of scrambling in new England, trying to figure out what's next. I agree. And I think that's caught Belichick by in New England by surprise that McDaniels left. I know he took, we left for Denver. That didn't end up panning out. I think that had more to do with who he had at quarterback when Tim Tebow was your starter out in Denver. You're not, no offense to Tim Tebow, but you weren't going to succeed when it comes to that in that regard. And then he makes this move to go to Vegas. I think he was honestly fed up. Of not, he was tired of waiting. He didn't want to be a part of this waiting game. Belichick doesn't look like he's slowing down. The Joe Judge and Matt Patricia thing is intriguing to me because I think, like, another, like, there's something smells, right? It feels like it's almost like a pity, like, type of hiring, and he's just trying to figure something out and cover up something that, like, doesn't make any sense because of McDaniels walking out, and he doesn't have – he didn't have a backup plan, Right which led to Judge and Patricia plugging in. And they haven't, like you said, were atrocious as head coaches. So 
it doesn't give them any warrant or benefit of the doubt that for Patriots fans that anything's going to work out. We also got to factor in J.C. Jackson, who was an absolute stud for their secondary, gone. He's in Los Angeles. They bring back Malcolm Butler, and he's Malcolm's been awful since he left, trying to see if he's going to rekindle a spark. And now I, he's hurting out for the year, so it's like right. So <laughs> now, like it totally backfired on that in that regard. I think you're gonna. I think they're actually going to finish third in the division. I I think Miami's going to finish ahead of them. I think they could spiral pretty bad. I have them only around like seven or eight wins this year. I think there's going to be a drop off. It's going to take them a while to figure out what to do. Belichick's just got to decide if it's going to be Judge or Patricia. You can't be doing this back and forth type of deal series every couple series. It's just not going to give Mac Jones the rhythm and understand the cadence of who's calling plays. It's just, I think it's just a disaster waiting to happen of how New England's been dealing with this situation. The defense, that's the going to, that's the only saving grace. I, I think the team defense will be fine. I wish the Patriots. Well, I don't wish the Patriots well in anything because I'm a Bills fan. But <laughs> objectively, as somebody who sits here and talks sports, if I'm if I'm the if I'm the Patriots, I don't know why you didn't fight harder for Bill O'Brien or somebody like that to come back and and you know question Bill O'Brien the GM, but Bill O'Brien the offensive coordinator or the offensive coach um, was good, and so it's got to be better than what Joe Judge or Matt Patricia, who was a defensive guy. I, like the fact that Matt Patricia is calling plays for the offense is ridiculous. And again, to me, it just sounds like Bill Belichick is just start trying to groom them and coach them up to be better head coaches in the future, I guess. But I, for the Patriots, I just, it's, it's bad, man. Like it's the, the post Josh McDaniels era is starting off on a terrible, terrible foot. Um, the, but again, Patriots are still the Patriots. Like you said, at the beginning, they surprised us last year maybe they'll surprise us this year maybe this is some jedi mind tricks and they know exactly who's calling plays and it's some mike mcdaniel nerd from the video department secretly <laughs> calling plays that they'll wheel out on week one like i don't know but um patriots better figure it out quick like i said they're fighting the carolina panthers because they're getting washed during training camp uh joint practice and they're losing to the giants in the preseason game and it's like it's it just looks bad it just the patriots look like they are taking steps back and i don't see anything worth like writing home about on them I, i'm not impressed with mac jones if they were if i'm the patriots i'm trying to get bill o'brien and i'm trying to get jimmy garoppolo back in there and try to salvage because i do think they have talent at receiver i do think they have talent at running back i do think they have talent on defense i think their sideline their coaching their front office everything is just else is just a mess and i think that's going to trickle on the field so where do you where do you have them finishing? Do you have them finishing second or do you have them finishing third? I looked at the I have them finishing last. What? I wow. I have I All have right. the now Jets. Now you got to explain why you have the you think they're going to fall off the ship. You have the Jets. Remember the J E T S Jets ahead of them. The right? the B U M S bums bums bums. I have the bums over the Pats this season. Wow. If you look at what the Jets did in the draft and in the offseason in terms of their front line, offensive line, and defensive line, they their roster is actually pretty damn good. And I actually and I make fun of Zach Wilson, especially now with his 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 uh MILF hunting that he's out there doing. Uh Zach Wilson has tools to like. It's it, to me, it just rests on Robert Sala. Like this is the year we figure out if he's the guy. 
but you drafted Brees Hall. I mean, you have Sauce Gardner. Like you have talent all over the field. You have more. That's a more talented roster than the Patriots. And so oh, if question. if we're giving the Patriots a pass because they're the Patriots, then you know. And but their problem is coaching. Well, so is the Jets' problem is coaching. And so at that point, what am I looking at? I'm looking at the roster. I like Zach Wilson more than Mac Jones. I like Sauce Gardner over. I mean, they over even old ass Malcolm Butler. I like everything they have. Like I, I love Brees Hall. Like I, I just think they have talent. I like a lot. You know, um, not not Elijah Mitchell. Who's the other? Who's the the guy? The younger. They just drafted him. Oh, he's blanking on me. Whatever. He was a young receiver that they had. I think he got hurt. Matter of fact. But either way, they have talent all over that that roster. Oh, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. Moore. Okay. I was gonna say Mitchell. I knew it was an M. Elijah Moore. I like Elijah Moore. He's he's better. He's the best receiver. Between the two teams, I, I, you know. I only remember him because he was the player in that Miss Ole Miss Mississippi State game where he scored the touchdown, took a did that piss emoji on the on the Mississippi State uh, end zone. That's how I remember him. Yeah, so I I love I love I love the I love that the Patriots are going to end up being the last team in the division in my head. So I, that's where I'm going to put them. I'm going to put the Jets. I'm going to give Robert Sala, and I do like Robert Sala. So, and I want, I want it to work uh, on stuff about sports. We are secretly Detroit Lions fans because we're big fans of Dan Campbell. And, right. uh, and so I, I'm a fan of Robert Sala and I do want it to work. I, I do think he's a good coach. It's just hard. You know, uh, Sean McVay and uh, Zach Thomas have spoiled uh, what it means to just be a brand new coach. Like people are expecting instant success in a year or two. And realistically, it takes about three to five years to turn a franchise around, especially one that's been historically bad for over a decade so um i i am i am rooting for robert sala and the jets and i do think that they are the, the patriots are going to slide down i really do that's honestly it's not far off with how their roster looks i mean they have baltimore and green bay back-to-back weeks i mean it could get pretty ugly for them if you think based off of what they look like statistically speaking i mean they do have Devontae parker Ty montgomery coming in like Montgomery's more of a running back nowadays mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be intriguing like you said to see how everything unfolds and I think you're right I think the coaching will have an impact I don't have them falling off the cliff like you do I mean you have them dropping all the way down which is really intriguing and that's just saying a lot of that says a lot with how bad almost like we're both thinking that last year was more of a fluke more than anything yeah. and because of and I think Tom Brady just continues to smile oh, yeah. uh, ear to ear that he made the right decision and he is the true component of the dynasty. Tom Brady is definitely ahead of Bill Belichick in the Bill Belichick-Tom Brady power rankings. <laughs> He's Without definitely question. firmly number one. Easily. All right, let's jump to the next, squ- next squad we have here. They finished third. That is the Miami Dolphins. Miami has made... Plenty of moves this this offseason, and I do have a hot take in regards to Miami. I think I've said this before. I don't know, Jeremy, if you've heard it. You'll probably hear it at some point. But remember, you brought in Tyree Kill. You brought in Saran Armstead, Connor Williams on that offensive line. The real question mark becomes Tua Tagovailoa, who Tyree Kill is obviously the greatest hype man in United mm-hmm. States history when it comes to hyping up his quarterback, saying that Tua – is the most accurate quarterback in football. Mm. And he can now, there's no issue about question about his arm strength, even though the arm strength was his question mark coming out of school, along with his durability. I think 
My South Beach has a lot to look at. I think there's a lot of positives and negatives there. I'm going to let you go first before I give you the hot take. I want to get your impression on what I'm about to say. But Miami's expectations, what do you have? Uh, I think they'll finish second in division. Uh, I love I love Javon Holland, their safety that they got. He's a ball yep. hawk. He'll be he'll it's be a, he'll a be a pro holder. He he's dirty. Um, uh, Mike McDaniel doubling down on like the Tua Tua Vailoa saying he's the most accurate left-handed quarterback he's ever seen, <laughs> which is like, I mean, first off, Mike McDaniel, you're like twelve, so I don't I mean I don't know how many left-handed quarterbacks. Um, I mean, Steve Young was never uh, didn't play the position for his accuracy. Let's just say that. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I did. It's must have been in diapers when Steve Young was playing, but whatever. (laughs) Um, You know, and then Xavier Howard, like they they have they have a good team. I I mean, honestly, uh, they have it. It relies on Tua. It it really does. Can they fix that offensive line? They they've made moves to do that, Uh, but Tyreek Hill, like it's bad that they're putting that pressure on this kid. Like Tyree kill is a yak receiver. And so, and Tua can't get, get the ball deep enough. And, and he can be a deep threat. Obviously he was that in Kansas city, but Tua, he may be at more accurate than, than, than Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if anybody's like said Patrick Mahomes is deadly accurate, but to go out and say that before you even played a game together, you're putting tremendous pressure on this kid. And he better be deadly accurate. He better be the most accurate quarterback you've ever seen. Because even if he is more accurate than Patrick Mahomes, he damn sure can't throw the ball farther than Patrick Mahomes. And a lot of your touchdowns and a lot of your success was because uh, Patrick Mahomes was staring down a defensive end about to tackle him. And he just threw it 80 yards Fine. in the air. And you just happened to be there to catch it. Tua can't do that. So we'll see. Let's 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 relax. Let's play a couple weeks and see what happens before we start proclaiming the greatest left-hand quarterback or most you know, accurate quarterback you've ever played with, which is ridiculous. Like, Hey man, big up your teammates. All good. It, but there you, there's, I feel like there's a step. There's like a level below greatest you've ever played with or greatest you've ever seen specifically when you've had the great, uh, the quarterback who's had a greatest start to a resume, the greatest three-year start in NFL history. And you just compared your new quarterback who hasn't really done much of anything to that. And uh, I think you're setting up your boy for six, uh, for failure. Um, at that point. And I agree. And before he even became one of the top hype men in in United States history, this is the hot take that I I've got Teddy Bridgewater starting halfway through the year. Oh whoa. I do. I I've whoa. said it, I said it before everything was happening. I think the before even the Tyree Kill trade, because I knew it's a win now roster. They've got the roster and tools now, especially with Tyree Kill to go alongside Jalen Waddle, and you have the opportunity. I mean, it's going to be a lot of bubbles, a lot of slants, and you just pray that he can, the accuracy will be there for a five-yard throw. And But he will not be throwing the ball downfield. But I know what I'm going to get out of Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. I know what I'm going to get. I know he's going to be consistent. I know he's going to make the correct play. And if he, he always knows how to live for another down. Teddy two gloves. I think he's going to get stuck in that Ryan Fitzmagic situation all over again. Don't be surprised if all else fails in a couple of games and you see Bridgewater in that fourth quarter because the opportunity for them to win now is there. The talent is all over. That defense has been stout for the now the last couple of years, and they were able to get in two years ago into the play or get teeter on the postseason two years ago. 
or get in. I can't remember correctly if they got in or not. I think they were on the outside just barely. Yeah, I think they were wild card, and then they like some another team won and knocked. I think them out it was a tiebreaker like that. that they got yeah. out. They mm-hmm. lost out on, but be, and it wasn't because Tua was winning them those games. It was the defense keeping them in it, and Fitz Magic came in as the closer, mm-hmm. like just like in baseball. I really do. I have got. I I can see it. I can see Teddy. They get especially if they start slow, which I expect. I think they're going to start slow, and the pressure's going to get on Mike McDaniel. And he's like, "This is my first coaching job. I've got a competent starter right behind him." And you let you because you know you got to be competitive in in the AFC, especially when it comes to playoff spots. It's not going to be. You're going to have to win games. You're not going to be able to just skirt sure. by with how deeper the AFC is in comparison to the NFC. So I think I, that Teddy Bridgewater, what do you think? Am I outlandish on this statement? I see your Teddy Bridgewater. And because I am uh, the hot take hater, I like to I like to come in and, and just, just, just scorch earth. Not only will I think Tua, Tua Tunga Vailoa will be replaced by midseason, but not by Teddy Bridgewater. Wow, who is gonna who's gonna be the end then? Jimmy Garoppolo will be taking the Miami Dolphins because no team is going to trade for him. Therefore, the 49ers will be forced to cut him, where he will collect a portion of his money, and then he can go over to Mike McDaniel, who just left coaching San Francisco, where Jimmy Garoppolo took that team to an NFC title game and what NFC championship and a Super Bowl appearance. Greatest success story, Mike McDaniel and Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's why all the hype is being built around Tua. Raising that trade value, dog. Got to raise that thing. You got to prop him up. He's the man. And then it don't matter once we get Jimmy Garoppolo. We got to keep you happy now just in case it can't happen. But if they can make it happen, Jimmy G will be in Miami throwing that rock all over the place in his Cuban shirts and cigar. Jimmy G's made for Miami and Miami is made for Jimmy Graps. That is honestly, I didn't think I was going to get one upped on that take today. And you took it to a whole nother level that I wasn't even thinking. Jimmy, I was putting the dots together, man. With that take, man. Yeah, man. You got to put the dot. You got to look at the big picture. Now I like Teddy Bridgewater, but the problem with him, the problem with him is the same problem. That's with Tua. You, and that was his problem in Carolina. You can't throw the deep ball. He's accurate. Um, they didn't have an offensive line. And, you know, Miami's offensive line is better. I don't hate that take. I I think they'll be better off with Teddy Bridgewater. So a veteran who was calm that could take this team, you know. And he won't make the mistakes. He won't make the mistakes. And But Miami has to justify the draft pick. So he's going to get a longer leash. But I, to me, you've seen all you needed to see from Tua. I don't know what adding – you know, I don't know what adding Tyreek Hill is really going to do for him. If you can't get the ball to the receiver, it's not really going to matter who's there. And so I would like, you know, Jalen Waddle's there. You know, you ha- it's not like you haven't had talent at wide receiver. So let's I, – I prefer – I think Teddy Bridgewater is a better fit for that roster and that team right now. Um, but we'll see. You know, like I said, Tua could surprise us. Maybe he is Steve Young in disguise and we just – don't get it and we haven't seen it but i feel like i've seen everything i needed to see typically with these young quarterbacks like you've seen with josh allen may not be instant success but you you at least see it you can see it you see flashes and you haven't seen that with trevor lawrence is the same way like i the the, doug peterson's gonna fix that like because you you can see it you know what i mean so i don't 
I just don't get that sense from I don't get that sense from uh, Tua at all. I agree, and I feel like we've seen his full potential already when you saw it at Alabama, right? You saw, yeah, like, and he still like, wasn't that wasn't, like, and it wasn't like it wasn't like eye popping, right? No, he was just good. He was good. You have studs on the outside. Mm-hmm. You had the best offensive line in college football. You had one of the arguably three outstanding tailbacks in Najee Harris, Damian Harris, and Josh Jacobs. And I think people really didn't observe his release. He short arms the football. It's like he's doing like that quick, uh, like darts throw with like in darts. Dart. It's yeah. very quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's. Yeah. He doesn't fully bring the ball back, and I think there's a lot of negative that I think we've started to see from college to the NFL, and the durability issue was always a thing. He's never healthy. On top of that. I, but I think it's going to be a true component that how we're going to see Miami unfold. I actually have them again on the outside looking in. I think they're going to be around nine, nine wins. I got them about nine and eight and they're just going to miss out because of how deep the AFC really is. That's their number one enemy is that the, the AFC is loaded. That's their problem, but they're on the right track. They'll, they'll, they'll get there. They're, I think they they are comfortably the best second best team in the AFC East. Um, I do think they are a wild card team i just will they get there it's obviously that just depends on other teams and how the season plays out but um if the miami dolphins made it to the wild card i wouldn't be shocked at all absolutely all right let's go to our final squad of the night that is the new york football jets and to all my boys out in new york because i went to college out there at the hall and they all love their giants or jets Newsflash, both teams suck, so keep that in mind. I know you guys are going to call me out on my Washington Commanders garbage, but that's fine. I know we are awful, too, so we'll all cry in a hole together. But when it comes to the New York Jets, like you said, you actually have the New York bums that you so eloquently called them. I love Mm -hmm. that from now on. Uh, As that They're going to finish third. They didn't make a lot of moves like like you said, Elijah Moore. Uh, They do brought in a lot of draft picks and and put some insurance into that offensive line to protect Zach Wilson, the AKA mill funder. Yeah, man. (laughs) Where do you, why do you have the jets in third? Is that just because more of a bad Patriots or because of you're going to see improvement with the jets, even though Zach right now is out and I don't think he'll be ready week one. I don't think he'll be as ready. I think they said two to four weeks. So, I mean, maybe not week one, but it's not like he's going to miss 11 games. Right. So the, Losing losing week one or two is not going to do any damage, but it really has to do with the improvements that they made through the draft and free agency. They they had a really good offseason. Like a lot of people won't say that until you really look at what's going on, but they had a good draft. They were one of the winners of the draft, according to a lot of the outlets. And so I, you know, I like Sauce Gardner, like, you know, and Brees Hall. I wanted the Bills to go after Brees Hall. So if a team's going to draft players that were on my big board, I'm going to say, okay, at least they, they had a really good draft. And and so, you know, will they get to nine wins? I don't know. Maybe not. I, again, will I be shocked? I think they'll be somewhere around 500. But I know a lot of outlets have them at four wins, five wins. I think they'll I have them at that. five. So you have them at you 500. That's – Yeah, I'm, and and, when, and it's hard to say five. schedule now where you have them at 500. So, let, hold on. Let me pull up their schedule. So, again, I don't – obviously, that's – until they add this 18th game, I guess there is no 500. So yeah, I guess you have them around that seven or eight, range seven, eight. Though. Yeah. I don't think they'll go above 500. I don't think they'll get to nine, but you know, seven, seven wins is attainable. Right. So like, 
you know, you have the foul. Uh, the, no, this is uh, off season. Let me look at their schedule real fast. I should have had it pulled up. Uh, you and me both. So here we go. I mean, you, your Ravens, the Browns is winnable because, you know, it's Jacoby Brissett, right? Right. Bang, Steelers is winnable. Dolphins are winnable. And then you have the um, the Packers, the Broncos, the Pats again, which is winnable for them. The Bills, then the bye week. Pats again. The Both Pats games are winnable. The Chicago game is winnable. Minnesota's winnable. Detroit's winnable. Jacksonville's winnable. So it's so that's that's eight that's games nine, right there. Nine. So, but I'm saying they're winnable. Like I'm right. like either one of those teams can win. So if you and that's and then it's you fin- and then Seahawks and then Dolphins again. So they have well, there's on, ten or eleven winnable games there. That's up for the right. Team. And you'll lose probably three to four of those. So that puts you around seven wins. And so like I and I'm sure they'll shock us. I'm sure they'll lose to like the the Lions and the Seahawks. But then they'll some random reason they'll sweep beat the Miami bills sweep. yeah they'll sweep you know what i mean or they'll beat the bills or they'll split the game with the bills because that's just that's a division game and that that's the way it always works for some reason right just like right. the dolphins when tom brady was there was always beating the patriots like they would go one in 15 but that one win would be against the patriots every year <laughs> so um you know i i can easily see them winning seven games and so I, to me that's good enough right i i you know seven or eight games is good enough I think the Pats are only going to win six games. So right. Um, that right there makes them third. I don't think uh, I, I I don't think that's that far fetched. I, I believe in the talent, uh, including Zach Wilson. I just the coaching is something that has to be shown to me. And uh, like I said, the Jets are also one of those teams that could go that can go winless and lose every single game. It wouldn't shock me. But if I'm looking at paper on talent, you know, I, I six, seven, maybe eight games isn't crazy to me. I think they're too exposed on the defensive side of the ball, though. I feel yeah. like they have – if they're going to win games, it's got to be a shootout. Just because yeah. I, defensively, they they did not improve really on that side of the ball, in my opinion, other than I think they brought in Marcus – did they lose, keep Marcus May? I can't remember off the top of my head right now. No, Marcus May is gone. You yeah. brought in DJ Reed, and he's a downgrade in comparison to what you had in Marcus May. I'm. It's just – I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I the yeah, defense, I the defense is They're defense is score. shaky. You know, Mosley's still there. Quinn and Williams is, is still there. Really there? I mean, Mosley's kind of just been. I, he took the money, and then like I think he's and that disappeared. That this is an absolute crap show. And, yeah, but you have Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios, Noah Fant. You know, they brought him in. Offensively, they look good. And uh, Uzma, they brought in from Cincinnati and a lot in, in Elijah Moore, we talked about. So then you still have Michael Carter, um, Tevin Coleman, like you, you have talent. And so offensive league, if you have a good offense, there's always a chance. But yeah, the defense, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Robert Sal is a defensive coach. So I expect him to to coach a pretty decent defense. So we'll see. I feel like his struggles, though, have been is that he was such an energizer on the sideline mm-hmm. when he was in San Francisco, and I feel like he's been trialed. He's been ex- try. He, he has held back that emotion as a head coach and trying to be more level headed and cool headed. Mm-hmm. I feel like he has to let loose if he wants true success and go back to his energizer type style, like how, like you said, you guys are Detroit Lions fans on your network and just being like, you guys got to be. You gotta let Dan Campbell, the Dan Campbell. Oh, out. he's great. He's great, man. I love Dan Campbell. I would, I would run through a wall for him. Uh, if you ever right. watch Hard Knocks, go out there and watch it. It's great. Dan Campbell is the man. 
absolutely. But so what would you do if you were in, I feel like if this doesn't work this year, you got to clean, not, you wouldn't, I wouldn't say you would get rid of Salah. You have to consider it, but I think GM's got to go. Like you, there's. Yeah. I mean, and I will say the team issues that have always been happening in New York. A lot of the front office issues have been because of Woody Johnson being two hands on, but the last two years, uh, he has has been less, he has let go and they've, they've done better in the off season specifically in the draft. So like I said, it, it takes time. Um, I, I guess unless it's a total unmitigated disaster, you probably just stay the course, man. Like, you know, you're not going to get better if you keep switching coaches every three years. And so, you know, if you see what you like, improvement is improvement. Same thing with the Detroit Lions. You just get a little bit better every year. Just build, build, build. And like I said, it, it, it takes time, right? Like it just, it's a lot of the good teams, life is cyclical, right? The, the Patriots were good for 20 years and now they're heading into that thing. The Buffalo was the same way. Buffalo was awful for many, many years since the nineties. And now they're the hottest team in the NFL. Like you just have to keep it going. Teams who switch their coaches every couple of years are typically the teams that are always bad. You know, you have to stick with it through the good, the bad and the ugly. And, and like I said, if a coach becomes available that's red hot and whatever, and you believe in that guy, then go for it. But if right. you don't, there's not a clear cut, better option. If you're just changing for the sake of changing and things are going bad in that locker room, then stay the course, man. It, from all accounts, it sounds like Robert Sal is doing okay. And, you know, just see, see what happens. Keep it going. All right. Then my last thing before we wrap up is, is again, we're going to stay on the jets here real, really fast. Where honest, I'm just intrigued now. Where'd you have Zach Wilson on your board? in regards to quarterbacks. Cause I had him. I, I think if Justin Fields was on this team, they'd be, they'd be at where you're thinking the seven or eight wins. I don't think Zach Wilson's the answer. I'm not a big Justin Fields guy, but really? no, but okay. I, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's better or worse than Zach Wilson, but I feel like if you like Justin Fields, Zach Wilson has the same tools. He's athletic. He can throw the deep ball. He he makes good decisions. He's pretty polished for uh, a, a young quarterback, you know? So uh, I, I don't know. You're asking me, where does he rank? Like, in I, I'm talking because I know we, all, I think we all assume that Trey Trevor Lawrence was clearly the better, the top quarterback in that class. Cause you could honestly flip yeah. all these other four guys around. Right. I feel yeah. like when it comes to Lance, Fields, Wilson, Jones, all four of them, you could have flipped a coin and wherever, whatever it fell on was what, that the guy you were going to take. So Trevor think, Lawrence, I've always yeah. had a personal vendetta when it comes to Ohio State quarterbacks because they've never yeah. translated to the NFL. It's there. It's proven. It may be a situational thing every time, but they haven't translated because offensively that team – they get so wide open due to their crossing routes and speed that just if you look at the Ohio State quarterbacks list in like recent in the last decade, you could probably name maybe one that has actually been successful. I'm going to I'm going to end this show on a shocker. OK, go ahead. Lay it on me. Looking at these draft guys, the Mac Jones. Trevor Lawrence. We'll see about Trevor Lawrence. You know, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. The guy I think is going to, who's in the worst position, but I think is right there with them. And the one I like the most is Davis Mills from the Houston Texans. I 
like if Houston Davis doesn't Mills. have much of a choice, and they're going to let him play. They're going to let, and him they play. should. He's wrong. He's, wrong. If, He's like in the you, Trey Lance scenario. If you look at some of these statistics, he isn't that far off, or if not worse than a lot of these guys we're talking about. Yet he gets the most slack because he's not the sexiest name. Davis Mills is going to surprise people. Hopefully he gets out of Houston to do it. I don't know what Houston's problem is, but Davis Mills isn't bad. And and people are going to laugh at that and make fun of his neck or whatever. That's great. But pay attention to Davis Mills. I, I think I think the I think the Pats, I think the Bears, I think the Jets and the Jags would have been a lot better off with Davis Mills than they are with the quarterbacks they have. Like I said, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, we'll see. We'll we'll see if you're that dude. We've seen a lot of number one quarterbacks flop. Um, you know, I don't I haven't seen Davis Mills stats rival that of Trevor Lawrence from that last previous year. They're virtually um they're virtually the same, if not Davis Mills, slightly better. And yet Trevor Lawrence gets all the love in the world. And so don't sleep on Davis Mills. That's all I'm going to say. I think that's a very interesting take. And I'm actually not going to rival that that much because as a West Coast guy, I saw a lot of Stanford games. So I do understand where he showed a lot of flashes. And I think he fell further than a lot of people actually thought he would fall. I think he was going to be more of a late second but he fell into that mid-third. I think he was a mid-third, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. But it'll be really intriguing. I think that's a, a very intriguing take. But, Jerm, I want to thank you so much for coming on to talk AFC East, as well as the Deshaun Watson debacle situation that has unfolded for the entire NFL when it comes to the, this situation. I want you to plug yourself, though, real quick. And if you guys haven't, check out his content and subscribe to it his channel subscribe to his youtube go follow his instagram all that plug yourself what, what's going on next and what is happening with stuff about sports man stuff about sports is real busy we're getting ready to start the bragging rights fantasy football league um i'm waiting for jt and the don to tell me what draft pick they want so i can set the draft order bunch of sports pods including final whistles going to be a part of it it's a league that we started to help promote network and just have some fun with sports podcasts uh, something that I don't see done very often. And uh, so I'm glad you're part of that. And I'm glad all the other pods are part of that um, stuff about sports, part of the give us a shot network. You can check us out on YouTube. Uh, just search for give us a shot network, facebook.com slash give us a shot and at stuff about sports on Instagram, or just hashtag stuff about sports in your Googles. And you'll find us everywhere. Follow us, like us. You don't even have to watch it. Just drop a like, share it. I don't care. Uh, help us out. And uh, if you want to be part of the network, give us a shot dot network uh, and there'll be a join tab or you could just check us out, including our interview with Alex Rodriguez. Yes, that Alex Rodriguez. Well, Jerm, thank you so much again. Uh, hope to do this again soon. Loved having you on the show. I know this was your first take of being on the final whistle. So let's make sure that that continues and I have you on plenty more. But that's the final Whistle Sports Podcast, AFC East Divisional Breakdown, with a little bit of uh, breaking news when it came to the Deshaun Watson. Everyone, you know what to do. Subscribe, like, leave a comment, whatever you do. Leave a review. Just help us out. You know where to catch us. We're on all platforms, Spotify, Google Pod, YouTube, iHeartRadio. You name it, we're on it. My lights have gone out, so that's the sign for us to wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Be on the lookout for more episodes for the next AFC Divisional Breakdown. Thank you so much.
signing off. Blaine Spencer and Germ from Stuff About Sports. Thank you. Good night. Go Bills.